0: Amen. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. Listen, it's time to take your word of God and actually open up the word of God to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. And I got through verse 8, but we're actually going to go all the way through 13 to finish the chapter today because I just can't help myself. So today's a faith family uh, worship service. So the kids are in the service with us today. And we'll obviously be uh, partaking in the Lord's Supper at the end of service. Now, we're going to challenge you, even in this chapter, as Paul challenged the, the next coming, excuse me, this book, in 1 Corinthians 11 is where we get actually the instructions for the Lord's Supper. So Paul instructed the church how to take the Lord's Supper. So let me give you a cheat sheet ahead of time. Prepare yourself before the supper. If there's something that within the service that you have a grudge, you have a problem, or you have an issue with someone, it's a sin issue, and you need to deal with it, please, by the sake of mercy from God, He gives to us in His Word. Do not take the Lord's Supper. To you, it could be just a cookie, I mean a cracker and a, some juice. But to the Lord, you're taking his body in vain. So if you've got issues this morning, slip out, make a phone call. Slip out, grab a friend, make it right before uh, we take the Lord's Supper. So make sure your heart's right. Paul says to judge yourself so that you will not be judged by God before we take the Lord's Supper. We know the children are here today. Parents, talk to your children. Talk to your grandchildren. Tell them what it's about. It's okay to talk in church, right? Is it okay to pray when I'm dedicating a baby that's pulling my beard, right, to talk to the baby, right, and to the Lord? Does the Lord understand all things? Yes. Listen, does he love Parker? He loves me, right? And he loves when Parker pulls my beard because he knows that's actually, that was, he's got a pretty good grip, by the way. It's just fun to know that we can actually enjoy the presence of the Lord. Amen. Today's going to be a hard subject. If you're a legalist and you're stuck in the mud in your uh, Baptist faith, Presbyterian faith, Methodist faith, whatever you are, if you're stuck in the mud, it's going to be hard for you today. Okay, so go ahead and you might want to slide out and get a drink of water or use the bathroom for a long time or something. But if you stay in here, verses 1 through 13 is going to sting like a honeybee. I'm telling you, all right? It's going to hurt today. I'm not trying to. Remember, I told you when we started 1 Corinthians, I did not write this material. Amen? I'm just preaching it from the Word of God. We've talked about things in church that we've never. some people have never heard in church, and, and, and I didn't hear growing up in church. Not that I'm special, but the Word of God is special, and we go through book by book, verse by verse. So as we go, saddle up, and if you leave out, we just assume that you have to go to the restroom. Okay, we won't think he'll love you, but get right with yourself, get right with God, get right with others, and uh, if this stings a little bit this morning, uh, let it sting. Amen? There's Holy Spirit, balm of Gilead for that, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So let's get together. Let's get, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 8. We're going to begin. Now Paul is responding. Your translation, some of the newer translations, will actually tell you. He'll say, now to the question you ask me, because the church was tolerating sin. The church was letting a very vulgar sin happen in the church and saying, we just love this guy. Therefore, we won't kick him out because he and his stepmother are having a relationship. We're not an inappropriate relationship. Uh, we're just gonna, we just love so much that so we're just going to leave it be. Well, the very thing they should have said when God says thou shalt not in Exodus chapter 20, that was one of the top tens of thou shalt not, if you know what I mean. I know the children are in the room, right? Don't do this. And I want to tell you today, God's moral law has never changed. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thousands of years ago is thou shalt not commit adultery today. Did you know that? And thou shalt not steal to God, way back when he gave it in Exodus 20, it's still thou shalt not steal in 2023. Amen? So God's moral law never changes. Never never get that out of your mind. He never changes. Now, we told you that only one of the top ten didn't make it across the river from the Old Testament to the New Testament. And which one was that? Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy, right? Not that we shouldn't remember a Sabbath or a certain day of the week, but it, Jesus said, you guys erred. When we gave it to you, when me and the Father and the Spirit gave it to you, we gave the Sabbath for the man, not the man for the Sabbath. And the man kind of twisted it that it actually became a tradition of man that sabbath was saturday and nothing works you can't even do anything uh, at all on the sabbath and jesus gave some exceptions to that when he read the uh when he gave statements to the pharisees and they didn't want to hear him because they had their traditions and their rabbi their preacher said so so therefore it is so no matter what the son of god says they had their minds made up are we like that today do we have our minds made up so many times that we just we just know the answer we just know the answer right uh David Jeremiah just sent a... I guess he's getting ready to release a new book on angels. So get ready. It's coming, I'm sure. I like David Jeremiah, but these mega preachers, they, they release books, they preach sermons, then they turn them into books and then sell them, and they release them. So they sent me a quiz on angels. How well do you know about the angels in the Bible? And I'm like, yeah, all right, I'll take the quiz. I'll take the bait. I'm not buying the book, but I'll take the bait. So I took their quiz, and I corrected their quiz. So if you guys take the quiz, there's an incorrect question on there. It says factor fishing. Fiction. It gives you the test, and it says uh, there were only two angels named in the Bible. Fact or fiction? What you got? Is it fact or fiction? Come on, take the test. I took it. I'm telling you the truth. I'll tell you what my answer was. Fact or fiction? There's only two angels named in the Bible. All right, who are they? Gabriel, Michael, and Lucifer. Right? That was his name. His title was Satan or Devil, but there was three. So, the test says, wrong. I said, fiction, because there was three. And, the uh, Quez says, wrong. You're wrong. There was only two. They got Gabriel and Michael, and I said, eh, you do forget Lucifer, right? Right? Was he an archangel? Was he, is he still an archangel? Yes, he's just evil today, right? So, there's at least three, and maybe four. Hark, the herald angel, maybe herald. Uh, that we, uh, we don't know that. I don't know that for sure, so... But we know of three, right? At least three named in the scripture. So uh, be careful when you know it all, right? Because I, I respect Dr. David Jeremiah and his people, but somebody thought they were going to get you, right? And I'm sitting back, whether they'll ever get it or not, uh, I'm just a little old me responding back. Um, I thought it was fun. I, I sent it back to their, to their marketing group to say, hey, you missed it. There's three. So today, Paul is being very clear with the church at Corinth. He's listening. To those who ask a question of me, the Apostle Paul, on behalf, right, he speaks on behalf of the Lord Jesus Christ, they wrote all these different letters. Should we not get married? Should we stay single? We, we dealt with that last week, the week before. Uh, now they're writing, and the, and the question is, uh, listen, we know that idols are just dumb pieces of rock, wood, metal. Do we have a problem? We know, we're bigger than that, that that's just nothing, right? It's just a nothing, right? We know Jesus didn't die on that cross, don't you know that? And we know there's no power if I go touch that cross. Even if there's red liquid coming out of it, there's no power in that piece of wood up there except for the power that goes to the light. There's some power in that. Now, if you touch it, right? What is it, Greg, 220 that goes to that maybe? 120, whatever it is. Yeah, 120. So is there power in that cross? Yeah. Pull the wires and touch them on your tongue. You're probably going to uh, feel the power, but not from Jesus. He's going to feel the power from uh, um, AK Co-op or whoever, uh, S-E-N-G, or whoever it is, Dominion. Here's a what I want you to understand today. When we dive into this word, there's a covering of knowledge. And it's not being in intellectual. This is legalism 101. This is the members of the church who has been established. This is those who said, remember when we started, I like Apollos because he's such a good speaker. No, I like Paul because he's so deep. No, I like Peter because he's loud and he gets in your face. And all these men have divided. And then some people said, I like Jesus. That's who I, I'm just a Jesus follower. Right? And they had chosen their side. So the church is really hyper-dysfunctional. The society is a port society, right? It's where sailors come in. It's every culture is there mixed together, Jew and Gentile. We told you Gentile just means everyone else who's not a Jew, right? Gentile means the people of the nations or the people of the world. So here we are. We're going to read. Paul's writing instruction. Here's another question he's answering for the church that is a very dysfunctional church. You would think if it's just getting started, it should be like beautifully harmonious, right, unified. That's what you would think. Because the Holy Spirit brings peace. The Holy Spirit brings peace. But what does the Bible say about us as fleshly humans? We war daily against the Spirit. So when the Spirit says so and we say no, are we in conflict with God? Yes, we are. So if the Spirit says so and we say no, we are in conflict with God. I know but, right? Anytime you add that to to your statement, what's going to happen? I know what the Word of God says, but... We had to have it in our church. We were dealing with issues within the church, even within the deacons when I first got here. Pastor, I know what the Word of God says, but I'm not willing to do it. Then I said, you're disqualified as a deacon. As a matter of fact, you're disqualified as a Christian because you don't believe God's Word has that authority in your life. What do you live by? By what measure do you measure your life? Your ruler has to be the one from the authority, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. That's our authority. Amen? Let's read. We'll get to reading here one day when I quit preaching before the sermon. Verse 8, uh, chapter 8, verse 1. Now concerning things offered to idols. This is the question. We know that we have all know- we have knowledge. Knowledge does what? Your translation might say puffs up or is arrogance. But love edifies. Remember those two things. What is the character in 1 John of God? His character, first character mentioned is what? Love. Love. God is love. The Bible says God is love. Now remember this. Don't get it backwards. Love is not God. It doesn't go that way. It, God is love. God is light. That's what the Bible says in 1 John. So Paul's very clear. Your knowledge, your religion puffs you up. You know better, right? You know it's just a dumb rock. You know it's just a dumb piece of wood. You know it's somebody, a marketing campaign, that somebody made something so that everyone would worship it and make money. It was a moneymaker is all it was. You know that, right? Are the churches today that have idols? Well, there are people that have idols. Uh, and we think of our Roman Catholic friends. There are statues everywhere. And do you pray to those idols? Listen, well, no, we don't pray to them. We pray to the saints. Or we pray, listen, the Bible's very clear. Anything but God is an idol. Amen? Amen. You go pray to a rock, uh, St. Christopher, my friend, we, when I became a Christian, and this is the wrong thing to do, uh, he was Hispanic, and we, we were good friends in the Navy. And he's taking me to work one day, and it's cold in Virginia. And he says, uh, I said, what is that on your dash? He had a St. Christopher for, uh, I think he's the uh, patron, saint, uh, patron saint of Helps, I think. Uh, and I, he said, well, he, he guides me. He protects me, and he helps me. I'm like, it's just a piece of plastic, dude. They sold you. He goes, no, no, it, it protects me. I went, <coughs> I thumped it off the dash into the defrost. He's reaching for it, grabbing for it, almost wrecking the car, like, what are you doing? I'm like, if he can't protect you from me, how in the world can he protect you from anything else, right? I just thumped him in the head, and he couldn't stop me, right, because he's nothing. Now, that's me having knowledge, right? I was in the wrong. He was the weaker, but he became a Christian became a strong Christian who encouraged me later on in life. It's amazing to think that people today still will buy trinkets. At our former church, there was a store, the Catholic shop. The Catholic, love the Catholic brothers and sisters, but they'll sell you everything under the sun to get your mom and daddy and grandma out of purgatory. Uh, they'll sell you everything to pray to the saints. They'll sell you necklaces, rosaries. They'll sell you plastic angels, metal angels, marble angels. They'll sell you everything under the sun because you've got to keep making money, right? It's a, keep, it's a generation of money is what it does. If you're a Catholic and that offends you, then go ask your priest if I'm right. Go to the Catholic shop and see if I'm right. Just visit; anyone can go there. You can buy holy water if it's got to be if it's been blessed, right? You can't contain it, but you can actually. There's a way of having holy water. The funeral director gives me a bottle of water every time I do a funeral. He says, "Do you want water?" I'm like, "Yes," and I drink it. He goes, no, 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 not ain't enough for that." He's supposed to. Oh, that's right. You're Baptist. You don't turn it into holy water. I'm, I'm not being facetious. I'm telling you reality that's happening in our culture today that people are still giving unto these idols, and we say, we know better than that. We would never, ever bow to an idol. We would never do that. We, we know there's no power in that cross when it comes just of the object. That's the way the church of Corinth was, and they were actually, let's continue what Paul says. They were, instead of having that knowledge and loving others, they were using that knowledge as puffed up, knowing I'm somebody, I know more than you do. Come, if you want an answer, come to me, and I'll tell you what I'd do, right? They'd go to that way. Verse two, and if, he, if anyone thinks that he knows anything, He knows nothing, yet as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, this one is known by him, by God. Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world, and that there is no other God but one, right? There's one God. He's very clear. Verse 5, For even if there are so-called gods, little g, whether in heaven or on earth, as there are many gods and many lords, people make up this stuff over and over, right? Verse 6, yet for us there is one God, the Father, of whom all things and we for him, and one Lord Jesus Christ, through whom all, uh, who are all things and through whom we live. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. Let me repeat that. However, there is not in everyone that knowledge. For some, with consciousness of the idol until now, eat it as a thing offered to an idol and their conscience being weak is defiled. When they see someone eat of that meat, they're like, we knew what that was dedicated to. Let's continue. But food, verse 8, does not commend us to God, for neither if we eat are we the better, nor if we do not eat are we the worse. Here's the, here's the warning. Here's a beware. Y'all ever know what usually beware, and it says what in our culture? Beware of the Beware of the dog, right? If you ever go to a dark place and you got a sign that says beware of the dog, and it's just a shortcut if you jump that fence to get over the back of the fence to get to where you gotta be. Any of y'all do that as a kid? We said beware of the bulls, right? We had to beware of the pony because the pony would bite you. Dan, the pony, would bite you when we were kids because we punched him in the nose too much when we were kids, right? Beware, Paul's gonna write a beware right here in Scripture. This is a warning sign for you. Watch. This is to the church at Corinth, but it's also to the church at Town Creek. Baptist Church, or if you're a guest here today, here's the warning. Verse 9, But beware, lest somehow this liberty of yours becomes a stumbling block to those who are weak. For if anyone sees you have a knowledge eating in an idol's temple, will not the conscience of him who is weak be emboldened to eat those things offered to idols? And because of your knowledge shall the weak brother perish for whom Christ died? But when you thus sin against the brethren... And wound their weak conscience. You sin against God. You sin against Christ. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will never again eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. Amen? That's powerful. Let's read. Uh, Let's pray to God's word. Father God, I thank you as we pray back. that We never want to be a stumbling block to our brothers and sisters. Lord, your word is full of clarity. Lord, if we would simply seek love first. Seek you first. Help us, Lord, in our understanding. Help us in communicating this to each other, with each other, and then, Lord, with our brothers outside of here. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We'll look at your notes if you have notes. And by the way, there's bulletins in the back. If you didn't get a bulletin, we can bring you one. Uh, raise your hand. Uh, someone will uh, slip up and bring you one. There's, there's bulletins on the back soundboard. Christians instinctively know what adul- that adultery is folly. Would you agree? Can you go with me to Isaiah 44? Can we just go there for a second and read what Isaiah... Isaiah, some of the prophets would mock the, those who make idols and, and they, would, they understood they had a full grasp of understanding what the idol was, so go in your notes with me Isaiah 44, and we're going to pick up in verse 9 when you're there, say amen, I like to hear the pages turn, that way you know and if you use a phone, listen, a phone's good enough for what it's good for, use the word of God because that phone battery's going to die one day and your word of God will never die, amen Take it with you. Let it go with you. That We get used to turning the books because our children today are not learning the Word of God because their parents are not teaching them the Word of God. We're looking it up. We're trying to cheat on everything we're doing today. Isaiah 44, verse 9. When you there? Say amen. Listen to what the prophet Isaiah says. Those who make an image, all of them are useless. And their precious things shall not profit. They are all their own witnesses. They neither see nor know. That they may be ashamed. Who would form a God or mold an image that profits him nothing? You'd say the answer to that is what? Many people, right? Surely, verse 11, surely all his companions would be ashamed, and the workmen, they are mere men. Let them all be gathered together, let them stand up, yet they shall fear, they shall be ashamed together. Well, he's going to continue. The blacksmith with the tongues works one in the coals, that's in the fire, fashions it with hammers and works it with the strength of his arms. Even so, he is hungry and his strength fails. He drinks no water and is faint. The craftsman stretches out his rule or his ruler, we'd say today. This is the carpenter. He marks one out with chalk. He fashions it with the plane. He marks it out with the compass and makes it like the figure of a man. According to the beauty of man, That it may remain in his house, he cuts down the cedars for himself and takes the cypress and the oak. He secures it for himself among the trees of the forest. He plants a pine and the rain nourishes it. Then it then it shall be for man to burn, for he shall take some of it and warm himself. Yes, he kindles it and bakes bread. Indeed, he makes a god and worships it. He makes it a carved image and falls down to it. He burns half of it in the fire. With this half, he eats meat. He roasts a roast and is satisfied. He even warms himself and says, Ah, I am warm. I have seen the fire. And the rest of it, he makes into a god, his carved image. He falls down before it and worships it, prays to it and says, Deliver me, for you are my god. They do not, understand nor, they do not know nor understand. For he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so that they cannot understand. And no one considers in his heart nor is there knowledge nor understanding to say I have burned half of it in the fire yes I've also baked bread, walnuts, coals I have roasted meat and eaten it and shall I make the rest of it an abomination shall I fall down before a block of wood he feeds on ashes a deceived heart has turned him aside and he cannot deliver his soul nor say is there not a lie in my right hand isn't it pathetic to think that's how people are some people worship it you think today, we say, well, that's the that's Old Testament, that's, that's a long time ago. But how many people have we watched movies, or you know people, if you're from New Orleans, what's those little dolls from Haiti that come across the, the Caribbean down there? What do we call them? Voodoo dolls, right? And everybody's always afraid, if you ever watch, especially around Halloween, there's always somebody sticking pins, and it's like, oh, I can feel it. I know they're doing it to me, right? Somebody's poking me, or somebody's touching something. We give power to those crazy images. Now, I don't encourage you to buy... If you travel in the Caribbean, if you're on cruises or go somewhere overseas on a mission trip, don't buy idols just for the sake of saying, oh, this is a nice trinket to have from this location because people are still selling these idols around the world. And they do worship them. They have power. And they do dedicate sacrifices to those idols. And it means something. So the the older you are in a society, typically the tender piece of meat that you get in society. Did you know that? And when you lose all your teeth, you get the intestines. You get to pull those apart and he those. I've been over in, in Kenya, and the older you are, the less teeth you have typically overseas because hi- dental hygiene is not so great, and then you lose your teeth and you have to eat softer and softer meat. That way the fat is reserved or the stuff that's really soft is reserved for the senior adults, the most senior adults, and as you come down, you get the tougher piece of meat, right? That's, that's the way it's always been, but usually what happens is it's just for this special group of people and it's dedicated in a sense to that God or whatever it might be that they're worshiping. And of course, that God, what does a God look like? Well, you've got to have, if you're going to make some money out of this thing, you've got to design the God, right? Is the God a female figurine? Is, is it going to be a, a figurine of, a, of an animal? Is it going to be a figure of, of, of a man? And how do you make a God? Would you make a real small, puny God out of a piece of wood? If you were making your own personal God, how would you make him? When you make him buffed out, right, something that looks like supernatural with a cape or something, we would call them Avengers or, or Superman or something like that, right? We would do something that we would give them supernatural powers and they'd be really strong or they'd have super awesome powers. Same thing in all cultures. People do the same thing. Well, my God's the God of the sun. Well, my God's the God of the night and the moon and the stars, and, and even in, in America, we, we see today people are still worshiping different things. Now, Paul is not necessarily talking about the dietary restrictions that's in the Jewish culture. Remember the Jews coming out going, we can never eat anything that's not kosher, right? He's not talking about the kosher dietary laws, but the Jewish people would not eat pork, right? So he's not saying, oh, you got saved now. Now you're a Messianic Jew. Let's go have a BLT, right? Let's go to the Duke's barbecue when they finish and eat together because, listen, you should know better that we can all think, because Paul told, I mean, God told Peter to kill and eat, right? Because Peter said, I've never eaten that, any of that stuff. I'm going to put it in my mouth. That's not what Paul's talking about here. He's talking about having the knowledge of knowing us as Christians going, listen, if I brought out, if my keys were was an idol, and I said, today we worship this idol in spirit and truth, you'd be like, hmm, somebody take him out quickly because he's lost his mind, right? Because we would know that we say, that's foolish. We're, we're mature enough to know that we don't worship that. But some of you might have a cross with a crucifix around your necklace right now. And you, you rub it and you feel like it gives you protection. And you feel things go pretty good as long as you rub that thing two or three times a day. Our Catholic friends are burning up rosaries left and right, screaming our fathers, right? Because they've did so many sins. The, pastor, the, the, uh, the father's going to absolve their sins if they go into the black box. Tell what they did, he's gonna give my fathers or Hail Marys, and they're gonna shout Hail Marys over and over again, and they feel like they actually have been accomplished, their sins have been forgiven. There is but one way for your sins to be forgiven, that's through the blood of Jesus Christ. If we confess our sins, first John 1.9 says, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You don't have to go to a man, you don't have to go to a woman to get your sins purified. You have to go to God directly. He says, seek me first, right? Seek me first, the kingdom of God, and all of his, listen, seek all of his righteousness, the right ways of living life, and then all the things we have need of, he'll give to us. But listen, he wants us to be, first of all, in right relationship with him. You must be a son or daughter of the living God. You must know that you know that you know you've given your heart and life to Jesus Christ. You have to know that. You have to experience that. And you, you don't just get it by coming to church. You don't get it by being in a, an environment where there's praise music or where there's preaching. You can't just get it. You don't, it doesn't rub off on you like poison ivy. It's something you have to actually logically think about, but with love, say, Lord, I am a sinner, and I'm sorry. Would you forgive me? I believe Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. I really believe that. And I believe he really did die. I believe he really was buried in a borrowed tomb. And I really believe that you raised him from the dead. Paul said when you believe those things, when you confess those things, you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. He said that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Romans 10, 13. But you have to do something. It's not something done to you. Yes, Jesus, God visits you and says, I invite you to the party right? At the end of this service, we're going to invite you to, to, to do the Lord's Supper. Some will choose not to do it. That's good. If you're in sin or you're not a Christian, don't take the Lord's Supper today. If your kids aren't Christians and they haven't professed Christ, don't let them take the Lord's Supper. Don't let the, listen, don't let the curses coming out of Ephesians, I mean, 1 Corinthians 11, don't let that come upon your children. If you're in wrong, wrong relationship today, don't take the Lord's Supper. But we're going to invite you to come because we don't know what you know and you don't know what we know, so we do is we, we depend on God. And you have a personal conscience between God. Well, here we are. Let's get through this. I want you to see this. Paul addressed, the Apostle Paul addressed the Corinthian churches' ego over their religious knowledge. Some of the Christians in Corinth were hurting their brothers and sisters by being puffed up. We talked about this. He even says puffed up earlier. You're puffed up because you think that you know well. With knowledge they had acquired by their learning, their efforts, and their experiences. And They were not unified. What is well, the one thing, if you read the whole book of Ephesians, God wants his church to be unified. He wants unity in the body of Christ. You say, what if we disagree? Then you disagree without being disagreeable. Y'all know grumpy old men and grumpy old women? Nothing like being around grumpy old people. Because we have an expectation that when you get that close to Jesus, you should be closer to him than you've ever been in your life, right? If you have gray hair, it's your responsibility to actually be more and more like Jesus every day. I know it hurts, and listen, as I get older, more medicine, more complaints I got, I could give a thousand complaints, right? But I start chewing my tongue, Lord, ugh, I don't want to complain. I don't want to, my prayer request should not be consumed with me. It should be consumed with my lost neighbor, my lost family members. It should be consumed with, Lord, they don't know you like I know you. They don't know you, and you're coming soon. Hey, no, it's not about me, not a self-centered life. It's about a God-centered life. If you see yourself constantly griping and complaining and you never say a good thing about the Lord, I would encourage you to check yourself. You need to check yourself to see if you belong in the faith. Yes, we have bad days. Yes, we have complaints. But listen, I used to believe when you got gray hair, I used to thought everybody was like just saints. I thought the, the halos would, would sing around old people. When I was a kid, I really I believed that. Until I got older and started hanging around old people. I couldn't believe it. You don't just get better with age. You get to be a worse sinner with age because you've collected all kinds of stories and events in your life, right? If you're not ready to say, Lord, Lord, just forgive me. Listen, you know what? I've done a lot of bad things in my life, but listen, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Hey, listen, that's all of us, right? But if you dwell on the negative and you're berating people, listen, you need to check yourself, see if you belong in the faith. Just because you were baptized in Baptist waters doesn't make you a believer. You must be baptized by the Holy Spirit. That means you've given your heart and life to the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul, this is a true church having true dysfunctional issues today. Paul's is talking to them, but he's also talking to you, and he's talking to me. Let's get go quickly. Verse 1, I want you to see this. Paul acknowledged that the Christians at Corinth had knowledge concerning meals or meat sacrificed to idols. He issues, uh, his issue was with self-righteous arrogance and their lack of unselfish love for others. Knowledge without love amounts to very little. You might be the most knowledgeable person on the planet, but if you argue about everything that you know and you're always right, no one wants to be around you, you're making no difference for the kingdom of God. If you run everybody away from you just because you know it all, listen, nobody wants to be around you. No one likes a know-it-all. Isn't that a saying in our, in our culture? No one likes a know-it-all. If it's math, if it's science, whatever it is, especially when it comes to God, because if you know everything about God, guess what that makes you? God. And you're not God. FY. Uh, wives, nudge your husband, husband nudge your wife, and just look, go ahead and tell, look to each other. Even if it's somebody you don't know besides you, say, let me tell you something. Go ahead and say this. Let me tell you something. Go ahead and look. look. I'm looking around. If you see me, I see you. Go ahead and tell your kids too. And just say, let me tell you something. Go ahead and look. And everybody's not doing it. Look to your neighbors. Let me tell you something. You're not God. And neither am I. All right, listen. We got that down? So listen. We don't know everything, Amen. We don't know everything, but we know what the Word of God says to us. God gives us a plan for it, because God's way, listen, we sang it earlier. We sang it earlier, and it was from uh, Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord, how? All of your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all of your ways do what? Acknowledge Him, and what's He going to do? He's going to make your path straight. You say, well, my path has been pretty crooked later. Have you been, uh, lately. Have you been relying on Him? I would encourage you to. Let's continue. Let's, let's go. So God desires for his church to build one another up and encourage one another to grow in wisdom. We cannot know what we ought to know pertaining to divine matters without love. Get that down. You can't know what you ought to know without love. You can say, well, oh, I've got a PhD. I've got whatever this. Listen, a man grabbed me in Chick-fil-A. He said, let me tell you something. Son, is what he called me, in Chick-fil-A. He said, I want to make a prophecy. And he said, uh, I'm telling you, before I die, Town Creek will close its doors. And I said, let me tell you something. I don't know who you are. I knew of him. I don't know who you are, but God didn't call me to oversee a dead church. There's no funeral going to happen at 250 Town Creek Road. Not as long as God's alive and as long as I'm alive. If there's two of us gathered, we're not closing the doors. It's God's church and it's not your church, and you have no idea what you're talking about. I've got good news. That man's been dead for about nine or ten years. Amen? Makes him what? False prophet, a liar. Just call it like it is. And he was some of our friends at church. He didn't go to our church, I think maybe one time. He was a false prophet. And he made a false prophecy in Chick-fil-A of all places, the second holiest place in town, right? Side of the church. I'm just kidding. All right, listen. Don't ever speak, don't have the knowledge that you're so puffed up that you know better than everybody else. And let me encourage you, you don't. Amen. If we love God with all filled reverence, obedience, and gratitude, we will be greatly loved by him and be known as his very own. That's what he says in his word. You can look at 2 Timothy. We don't have time for that today. Look it up for yourself in your notes. If we love God, put God first. Because remember, Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love God first. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. There's three loves there. Love God first. Love your neighbor as you love yourself But you got to love yourself. People today don't love themselves. I'm too fat. I'm too thin. I'm too tall. I'm too skinny. I'm too whatever it might be. Everybody has all these hates for self because guess what's happening? Your kids especially. I just read with the Washington Times, I think it was, they created a fictitious 13-year-old girl uh, TikTok account, and guess what the the account started getting populated with? You're too too ugly. You're too skinny. You're too fat. Whatever. It was always this body-shaming stuff that came in. She was getting all kind of stuff. She was not real, but she was getting all this stuff on the account. That wasn't real. Listen, people know what they're doing when they're messing with your kids on social media. You know who's driving that? His name is called the D-E-V-I-L, and you're paying for it every month. When will you listen to your pastor and stop giving your children tablets and cell phones? When will you listen? And listen, when it's too late, when they commit suicide because they can't take the pressure that they, they're living this fake life when they, when they die, and we're doing it, we've got a box in front of the church, and what am I supposed to say when they're here? What am I supposed to say when your college students it never comes home because they jumped off a bridge somewhere because they were impressed by what they saw, what they thought other people thought about them? They want to live up to that standard, which is not even a standard. How many adults and grandparents are doing the same thing? Going, I wish I had it. It's always I want the more, and that's the same thing that happened in the Garden of Eden. Hey, you can have every tree. Listen, this was the first fruits ever made. Think about with the oranges and the bananas and the pineapples and whatever you like to eat, the fruit. It was everything that we love. You could have everything in the garden. You could even crack walnuts and get them out back then. I don't know how, but you could, right? Everything in the garden except don't touch that tree in the middle. Did God really say you can't have any of this stuff, mean God? No, no, no. Eve says, no, no. He He said we can have... We just can't have that, that right there. Well, God knows the day you eat of that, you're going to be like him. You'll have knowledge of good and evil. He told a half-truth, but a half-truth rolled up in a disguise is a whole lie. Amen? Today, we're still believing the same lies in the church. Well, I ain't going there because that music. I'll tell you what. I ain't going there because that preacher. He's loud. He goes over time. I'm hungry every day. He changed the time. You ever see what they're doing for Halloween? They're going trick-or-treating. Did y'all ever go trick-or-treating this year? I didn't get to. We didn't get up to light up the night, yeah. We were giving out gospel presentations. We've given out probably 5,000 or more gospel presentations at Halloween because everybody opens the door, right? We called it light up the night. We didn't do it this year. But we we do it again next year, we'll see if God opens up the people to do the work. Verse four and five is very clear. There is no God but the God of the Bible, amen? Idols have no real existence, they are man-made. For the Corinthian believer, eating meat sacrificed to idols was not a big deal And I put, unless it was. If you were a new Christian, you go, wait a minute. You can't eat there. I saw you down at whatever idol shop that was. That's dedicated to the God of thunder. That's dedicated to the God of volcanoes. And listen, we were taught as kids, if you eat that, you're actually embracing that power. How'd you eat there? Get over yourself. That's what they were doing. Get over yourself. It's good free meat, or it's good close to free, right? It's a good steak. It's a great place to get a steak. Paul's saying, listen, don't tell them to get over it. Don't have knowledge. You know it's just a dumb idol. You know it's just a piece of meat. But don't barrage them with actually, listen, you should know better. Get over yourself. It's like drinking beer or whatever it is today. If you saw me drinking a Budweiser sitting out at Longhorn somewhere, you'd come to lunch without bothering anybody. Well, for me as a pastor, I believe pastors can't drink. I just believe that. And, and for me also, listen, alcohol was one of those things the Navy just about got me. So I hate alcohol because it just about got me, if you know what I mean. I was an abuser of the stuff. It made me 6'5 and about 350 pounds. I hate the stuff because I liked what it did to me back in the day. And I knew if I kept doing it, it it's going to take me somewhere. When I give my life to Christ, guess what happened? He took it away. Thank God he did. So I hate it today on that reason. Some people get around talking about you don't know nothing about alcohol. I got liberty to drink if I want to. Christian liberty, you hear this? We mumble like that. We talk deeper when we, we get out of character or in character when we want to describe it. If I come to your house, and you have a glass of wine, would it bother me? Absolutely not. I am a stronger, hopefully, more, more maturing Christian. It doesn't bother me. If I saw you, it if it's flipped, it wouldn't bother me. But for some people who come out of alcoholism, listen, I had a friend who was, uh, he was, he was at a church, and I won't say the church, and he just came, man, Jesus saved me, Clint, unless I was alcoholic. And we go out to eat, he and I go out to eat in a place that actually served alcohol. And one of the deacons of a local church that he knew was drinking wine. They had a bottle of wine on the table versus just a, a glass of wine. And he this guy goes, I can't believe, I can't believe he's drinking alcohol. I was like, Well, it's it's he's drinking it with his meal. What's the problem? Dude, do you know I was and he went down this whole list of he was struggling with Uh, you know still wanting that drink he's he's now been sober for a while but he was stressed out that a deacon of a local church was drinking alcohol you say well get over yourself right christian liberty says get over yourself that's what somebody with knowledge is puffed up with paul says you see what the last verse is he says if eating meat causes my brother sister to stumble what's going to happen they never eat meat again if drinking alcohol makes your brother sister stumble guess what they should do what you should do have love enough saying, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm, I'm not going to do that anymore. He said, Well, listen, I'd love to get a burger down at the, the pool hall. Well, if the pool hall is the place that drug you through the dredge back in the day, don't take your friends or don't eat at the pool hall when you know they're going to be downtown. Just don't go there. You have to sacrifice, personally sacrifice for them. All right, let's continue. Paul, Paul gets pretty heavy with this. Paul, verse 6, he declared the truth there is but one God, the Father, who is the source of all things, and we exist for him, one Lord, Jesus Christ, by whom all are all things that have been created, and we believers exist and have life and have been redeemed through him, through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? John 1 verifies that. In the church, verse 7 through 13, in the church in Corinth, not all believers had a proper knowledge of God. They were still learning. Are we all on the same page today? No. We have Jesus, that's our central, fo- central focus, right? We talked about last week, why so many different denominations? Why don't we believe different things? We have Jesus first, he's the main thing, right? Keep the main thing the main thing, we can get along, amen? And we can work out the other stuff over coffee, unless that, uh, unless that offends you. Then we won't drink coffee, we'll drink juice. And if that offends you, we'll drink water. We'll get somewhere where there's common ground for us to agree, to disagree, without being disagreeable. Because Jesus and love's got to come first, Amen? Let's continue. After salvation, their consciences were still weak, and they felt guilty and ashamed when they experienced the idol meat market. I didn't even put the Jews in here. The Jews got saved, like, you can't eat that stuff. Moses would never let us eat that stuff, right? And the Gentiles were like, just eat it. It's no, it's no big deal. We've been saved. Jesus has saved us. Just eat it. And the weak Christians like, I can't eat that. Man, I used to be a temple prostitute. I can't go in there and do that again because that meat... When I eat that meat, consume that, it relates to something really vulgar. And I, I still think about that. Oh, let's do it anyway. Come have a beer with me anyway. Just drink a beer. You can get it over yourself. And what happens if that brother or sister starts drinking and, and gets reconnected with alcohol? What's going to happen? The Bible says you're going to destroy them. You're going to destroy them. And Paul says, do you not love each other enough not to destroy each other? Yes, you have knowledge. You know it's a dumb idol. You know it's a dumb piece of wood. You know it's a dumb rock. You know it's a dumb metal. But don't you love enough to actually don't let that dumb thing come between you and a brother sister, and sister in Christ. Here's a quote I, I put in there for you. Ever since Adam and Eve ate of the tree of knowledge in the Garden of Eden, mere knowledge has been a snare to the human race. Isn't that a true? That comes from John Phillips uh, exploring 1 Corinthians. That beware, Paul puts, beware, do not become a stumbling block to the weak. Grandpas, daddies, mamas, grandmas, aunts, uncles, your children can be the weak. But you know what? Sometimes I'm finding that the children can actually be stronger than the, the parents or grandparents because they love Jesus. They want to get in and learn about Jesus. They can lead. Teenagers, the same thing. When you sin against your brethren, Paul says you sin against Christ. When you sin against Christ, listen, is there going to be consequences to your sin? Yes or no? Every single time. Every choice that you make has a consequence, good or bad. And when you do that before your children, when you do that before your wife or a husband, when you say, well, I have the freedom to do this. You can put your freedom out there. But listen, the Bible says when you use your freedom uh, with knowledge being puffed up, you sin against Christ because you don't care about your weaker brothers and sisters if they're led astray by that. Somebody said, well, can I have a glass of wine at home? If you've got to have wine everywhere you go, something's wrong. It ain't just a, a, a little sippy sip that you need. You're an alcoholic. If you have to have it, you can't substitute it with sweet tea or water or something just or lemonade or something in the substitute. You're an alcoholic. Just face up to it. Amen? Come on, they should have been an amen, but the church is quiet because they're always like, oh, I've got about six left in my refrigerator and I'll make an amen after that, right? If you have to have it, you're an alcoholic. If you can't go a week without it, you're an alcoholic. Something's wrong in your heart. But if it don't bother you, listen, you, you have that liberty, religious liberty, that freedom. Let me encourage you today. Listen, this isn't judgment day for you, or me. This is me to check myself, right? Lord, how do I stand? Not my neighbor. Oh, I know she drinks. I need to talk to her. I know he does. I know this deacon. It's not them. Where does it start? Take the finger pointer like this. Everybody take your finger like this. I know it's elementary. Lord, it begins with me. Amen? If it causes my brother, weaker brother, sister to stumble, I won't do it. Whatever it is. And if listen, it's our job saying to say, because what do kids do? How does that work? How do you do that? Aren't kids inquisitive? They want to know how things work. How many of y'all broke everything as a kid and had to depend on somebody else to put it back together? God made my brother a mechanic. I break everything. and I just hand it to Steve and say, can you fix it? What'd you do this for? I, I, it just made sense. Did that that came apart from that? I called Maytag one time and said, I took my housing off my refriger- my uh, washing machine and I got a sock stuck and I can't put it back on. They're like, the housing does not come off a Maytag washing machine. I was like, Yeah, it does. Mine's sitting right here. I'm looking right at it. It does. They're like, I said, well, how do I fix it? They're like, you probably need to take it to the local dump and get you a new machine because you're not getting that housing back on because it don't come off. I was like, it really does come off. Y'all understand what I'm saying, right? Sometimes we're always learning. We're growing, right? The Meg Tag guy was strong and I was weak, all right? Let me pray for you today because, listen, we need to internalize this, not just to hear this. Don't let this ricochet. Don't let this boomerang come back around and hit your neighbor. Let this come back and soak it to your heart and say, Lord, is there an area that I don't love enough to stand up for my weaker brothers and sisters? Whether it's complaining or eating of something or drinking of something. Can you imagine this is food we're talking about? Food dedicated to idols, but it's really not food, is it? It's a spiritual thing. It's what's happening in the heart of mankind. Let's pray. Father, we, um, we have opportunity. And Lord, we know we all have different cultures. We come from backgrounds. Lord, you wound some of us up really tight coming out of our mothers, and some of us are just laid back, smooth as butter. Father, wherever we find ourselves today, Lord, we do find ourselves in your presence knowing your word is heavy. And Lord, we've been found guilty of doing the very things that the church of Corinth was doing. We were puffed up with knowledge. We think we know more than everybody else. Therefore, we tell everybody how much we know, or we live like we know everything. And Lord, there's some of us that are so weak that we like everything looks so abusive, and everything looks so sensitive around us that we don't know which way to turn sometimes. And Lord, everybody in between. Help the weak brother and sister today, help the strong brother and sister today to find love, that common love, because God is love. And let, let us put you first. Let us put you first, Lord. And then when we come up to make judgments when it comes to seeing somebody who is really, truly offended, Lord, let us let us make the error to love. Quickly beat a path to love and say, I love you so much. I will never do this again in your presence. Lord, help me. Uh, uh, it, this message comes to me first. And as it goes to our brothers and sisters, Lord, let it marinate in our hearts. That we might honor you with our lives. And we might love you, number one. We Thank you for loving us, Lord. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. For his amen.